Hallelujah, Jesus. That song's very fitting tonight. We're coming out of the book of Isaiah. Holy, holy, holy. This time, um, well, we're going to go ahead if there's any little ones in here. They have been doing some music practice in the back there for the Christmas play, so they kicked that right off at the start. But uh, you want to, the little ones head back there. Youth, you are already heading off to class. The rest of you may be seated. I won't make you stay standing. remainder of us are going to turn to the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, and we're going to flip right over there to the beginning. I'm going to be spending some time in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 7, um, actually, yeah, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 7, um, and uh, start off with a verse here. Um, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 9 says, And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramallah's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. Jesus, I ask you to speak to us tonight. God, speak into our lives and our hearts. Lord, may, may we leave God trusting you more, holding more to your hand, and, and making it through our trials and struggles. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight I just want to talk to you about trust in God. Trust in God. Um, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. And I, I found it kind of fitting when I was writing my notes tonight that um, Sunday and first half, I, we had come out of Proverbs chapter 3 and and I didn't spend very many minutes on it, but Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And, and I touched on that for just a little bit Sunday as we made our way through Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 there. Um, but trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. The book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he, he comes from the time period of Uzziah and, and Hezekiah and, um, and, and in the book of the kings there. And, and so Isaiah was like a preacher to the kings. He was a preacher to the kings. And, and from the book of Isaiah, he is the most quoted prophet in the New Testament, if you're not counting David being a prophet in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is the most quoted book in the New Testament. But of the prophets, it would be Isaiah, be Isaiah, and so here we have um, Isaiah, and the passage that really stands out to me when I first open up the book of Isaiah isn't Isaiah chapter one, it's Isaiah chapter six, and Isaiah had been living in a time period where Israel had been great and mighty, and 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 uh, they had built up their 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 walls and. And things were going great under Uzziah until Uzziah got a little bit big for himself and, and got, thought himself to be a little bit too important. But life had been great under Uzziah and then he died. And I see a shift here. I, I know that we open up with verses 1 through 5 and Isaiah delivers a word from the Lord, but I think about his life and his calling into ministry 
occurred at an extreme low point in his life. In the year that King Uzziah died. It, I mean, to us in the, what are we in now? I always say the 21st century. We're in the 20, 21st century, that's right. 21st century. In the 21st century, we stand here, we don't really, like, first off, we do things by 2001, 2002, 2021. And, and we look back and we say, okay, so this happened in the year that King Uzziah died. Why would the Bible record that? Why would Isaiah record that? And I think that was a significant moment in his life, the death of the king, a low point. And that's when God came in, in verse 1 it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord setting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train, or, or the hem of his garment, just the hem, filled the temple. Isaiah saw God. Isaiah saw God. Verse 5 says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. What did, you, what did Isaiah catch in this moment? I don't know where the nation of Israel or Judah is going. I, I don't know about troubles that are all around. My king has died. I, I, I'm a little bit afraid of what life is going to be like under his son here. And, 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 and what, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen where is everything at? See, he came from the king's house. He was of royal lineage, Isaiah was. And so he's there, and he's at a low point. And that's when God steps in and says, I'm God. You know what I see through the book of the prophets here? I see God constantly trying to declare to people, I'm God. I'm your king. I'm in charge. What are you doing over here? I'm the one that will take care of you. I'm the one that provides for you. He told Israel that time and time and time again. And, and they would say, okay, God, we're going to serve you. And, and then we fall off. Sadly, I don't even want to use the word unfortunately. I don't really like words like fortunate or luck. And I, I know they're, they're words that enter our language. But, but my life isn't left to chance or to luck or to fortune. But... You see it throughout all the Old Testament history that this people that we're supposed to learn from would be living for God because He had blessed them and He had delivered them from a troubled time. And then, man, life is great, so let me go ahead and trust in my own smarts and my own riches and let me look over at, across the fence, the grass, I think it's greener over there, let me look at that other nation and they would fall into sin. And finally God would say enough's enough and, and, and they would get themselves out from underneath the blessings of God. We went clear through the book of Judges. That's what you see in Judges. You think it's going to get better when they have kings? It doesn't get better. Finally God, he lets them go. First Israel gets taken over by Assyria, which we see here in the book of Isaiah. And then Judah gets taken over by Babylon. God says, you know what? If you've got to be in this situation, that's where it's going to be. I'm going to let my land rest. But on this subject of trust, trust in the Lord. And I said, woe is me, for I am done because I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah had to learn, I need to trust God. Preachers, pastors, teachers, leaders of people, 
you first have to learn to trust God. You have to get into a place where you get into the presence of God and His hand comes on you and you see Him. Church of Omaha, if we are going to lead this city, we need to get into some places where we see God. I wanted to say where you would have a vision of God. But you are a people filled with His Spirit. And when you get into His presence and you see that vision of Him, it's not just a vision. You are encountering a revelation of Jesus Christ in your life. The Apostle Paul, when he was struck down on the road, and he saw Jesus, and he said, Who art you, Lord? God had come to speak to him. When you get into a place of prayer, or you're in that hot and mighty service, or you're at your home, and you feel the presence of God come in, or He's in your car, and you're like, I, I just think I had a vision of God. Yes, God showed you something. He showed you Himself. He made Himself real to you. Oh God, I would pray that as the church of Omaha, we in this day would get a vision of you. Oh, Lord, you have showed us visions of you. But I would ask you, God, to make yourself more real than ever before. Why? Because our city needs you. Our people need you. We need to get a vision of God. And when you get that vision of God and you've had those visions of God in your life, trust Him. Trust Him. Oh, man of God, why? I want to speak to fathers in your homes. Dads, you need to get a hold of God and get into a real spiritual place with Him. Because the enemy wants to come into your children's lives, into your wife's life, and into your life and mock you. And get you to turn. And when you're standing there and you're saying, Honey, we need to trust God. You need to be in a place with God where you can say, You know what? I went through a struggle. Life was at a real low point. The king had died. But I, God, I'm trusting you right now. Over the last couple years, we've seen in our nation, we've seen riots and protests, and we've seen people at odds with each other. I remember sitting at my desk, and a guy walked in, and he, and he was talking to me, and he had now been vaccinated, and he said, if I had known you had been going to church all this time, I would have never come and talked to you unless I had been vaccinated. And, and I share that. I don't think he's listening tonight. And I, um, and I understood where he I understood where he was coming from in his world and in his thinking and his logic. You know, I, but it struck me so powerfully where people were at that they would have their fears and their worries be above a trust in God. You know, why have I been at church all this time? Why have I been making my way into the presence of God? Why, why have I been with you? Because I hit a spot there where I said, okay, God, I see this thing around me but you're number one in my life, and you've got this situation. You've got this. But it's not just that. It's the, it's the riots we've seen in our streets, the buildings that have been destroyed, but more than that is the relationships between people that have been torn between families. And I have to tell you, why am I bringing it up again? Because I sat in my house, I'm a lover of history. 
I like the Declaration of Independence. I like the Constitution. I, I, I like the founding. I've got an idealistic view that's maybe too idealistic. And I would look and then I would think, man, what's happening to my country? This country, I, I, I love my flag, God. And, and, and I wanted this to change and that to change. And it seemed to be all torn around me. But you know what I realize? That God's in control. And as things would die in my life around me, so to speak. And I remember Pastor Everett, him talking about uh, um, what needs to die in your life. But as things would die around in my life, I would see that all these things need to come to pass. So that God can come to pass. Things need to die out in my life so that I can see him in a greater way. But we're under attack. We're under attack. Joey, I... I think of you, you've got a business, you've got people that you connect with, you're working, and, and life would be challenging. As I wrote notes, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but you crossed my mind how it has to be when you're on the job, and you're like, man, do I compromise here? Do I compromise there? I feel for those that own a business, run a business, but it's not just for Joey, it's for, for others on your job. Jeremy, you're there in the hospital. <laughs> Wait. And you got a form, you got a, something that you got to fill out. If I, what do I do here? What, what do I say in this situation? You think you won't be challenged? You'll be challenged, brother Con. I'm sure you have situations out there. You're working there on a transmission, or all of a sudden you could be like, well, do, what do I do here? And you'll be put into a challenging situation. Those are minor. Now you get into relationships where people are challenging you. They're using peer pressure. You think adults don't go through peer pressure? You, th you think that when you're not at your job and, and somebody says, well, really? You actually believe in that? Or, or when they share something about someone else that you're not drug into a mess? Oh, we get pressured. And children get pressured. My kids get pressured. We have to, men of God, lead our families. And now, women of God, you have to take a stand. Your husband needs you to take a stand. You are a strength to him. When he would think, man, maybe I would compromise for the child here. And you say, no, we have to be godly. We have to be holy. Take a stand and get in the presence of God. Take a stand. Uzziah, or, I mean, Hezekiah, he had to get a trust for God. He had a trust for God. You know what God did? God came in and God gave him a vision. And then God touched him with, had him touched with a coal from the altar. And when we get a hold of God, he comes in and his presence sweep over us. And, and we get there and our lips are touched by the holiness of God. And our thinking and our attitudes are changed. And then we get to minister. Because now Isaiah can walk in. And he can walk into the days of Ahaz, that wicked king. And yet I'm amazed by the fact that that wicked king that would offer up his children as sacrifice, that God would give him one shot or even a chance. And I'm sitting over here in the book of Isaiah chapter 7 now. But God would give him a chance and, and God would, would give him a word and God would give him opportunities to be delivered from his enemy. When we open up here in chap chapter 7, verse 3, it says, Then the Lord said unto Isaiah, Go forth now and meet Ahaz, th thou and 
I thought I had these words down. Shir Jehabab. I said these I said these at home here. <laughs> Which means it's his son, it's his child. Take your kid with you. What did the kid mean? Bishop? A remnant shall return. Take thy son at the end of the conduit, the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field, and say unto him, Take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted for the two tails of these smoking firebrands. <laughs> or the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and the son of Ramallah. Verse 5 says, Because Syria and Ephraim and the son of Ramallah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabel. Here we have Amaz. He's at the conduits. What is he doing? He's getting water ready to save his city. He's, he's over there working. He's making plans. He's saying, okay, we got danger ahead. We got, we, we got issues ahead. It, it, how would that be likened to you? If you could see coming down the way that we were going to have severe problems in this nation, and you're like, we got to save some money. I'm sorry, Christmas is off the table. I'm taking an extra job right now. One's available. I'm stocking some money away. Um, I'm going ahead and I'm putting some extra goods over here in the pantry. I got me a room over here. I'm building up. Hey, uh, you got the king here. He's like, we got a nation that we have to take care of. We, we, we're going to be under attack here. Not only are we under attack by Syria, we're under attack by Ephraim. We're under attack by our brothers to the north. Now, how did that have to hurt just a little bit? This people that were supposed to be your brothers, children of Israel... We're going to come and they were going to attack you and put somebody in charge over your nation. And so he was making preparation. I am fascinated by the word of God. In this case, God did not say, build greater water supplies. God did not say, make another conduit. In this case, going to our example, he did not say, save some more money. Fill more up in the pantry. He didn't say those words at all. Instead, he did two things. He had him speak a word, and he had him bring his son a remnant. Now, I wish tonight that I was maybe going down more on the path of the remnant, just like you did, Bishop. But something stood out to me here when I looked at this. Because in the very moment, he came to that wicked king. And he looked up north, and he said, these people, they're, they're going to attack you. And I could see right there. That he was given a forecast, not just to our day and age, but that he was saying, these people are going to attack. It's not going to come to fruition. Things are not not going to work out there. But you know what's going to happen out of Ephraim? You know what's going to happen out of Israel? There's going to one day be a remnant out of them. There's going to be a people. that Your brothers up there that have completely gone the other direction, somebody's going to return to you. Somebody's going to seek your face again. That's why he brought a remnant. Somebody's going to come back out of this. A remnant shall return. But he tells him, he says, take heed and be quiet. Shut up. He's over here working away. He's, he's like, I got this. You know, I, I think I got this okay. And God's like, tell him to shut up. You know, one of the things that get, gets rid of our victory in a hurry is our mouths. 
I'm not just talking what we say to other people. I'm talking what we say to ourselves. We serve God. And God has been trying to prove to Israel throughout all these books that I am in charge even when you're in bondage. And I've got this. And I've got you even when you're in bondage. And I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to completely forsake you forever. And, And those were examples to us. When you go through things, God still is with you. God's still with you. He is still your Emmanuel. He's still your Emmanuel. And so he tells him, he tells him, be quiet, take heed, listen up, and shut up, and neither be faint-hearted. Take courage. Trust in God. I want to tell somebody tonight, I want you to listen to God, shut up, and don't, he says, don't be faint-hearted. Don't be like, I can't do this. We can't do it. It reminds me of the children of Israel when they approached Jericho, when they first saw the giants. We can't do it. When they came again, what did they have to do to march around the walls? Shut up. I could say that word a lot, or that phrase a lot tonight. (laughs) Be quiet. Don't talk. Don't talk yourself out of the victory. Don't talk yourself out of what God delivered from the man of God, a word from the king of heaven. Don't be afraid. Fear not. How that has to be when you see that the enemy is going to attack you. I'm telling you right now. If China or Russia said we're going to attack the United States or or we saw another 9-11 go on again, there would be a lot of fear in this country. Oh, we need to get a hold of this book because things are going to happen in this nation. They already have and they're going to happen. So go ahead and just make your statement, I believe God. Oh, let's say that together. I believe God. Trust in God. Trust in God. He goes on here in this passage. In verse 9, he says, The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramallah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Surely you shall not be established. He's telling him, I've given you a word. God has got this. If you're not going to believe, it's not going to happen. But if you will just trust God, if you'll just hold on to him, you don't need to go out, you don't need to run to Assyria and get help from Assyria. Don't look to Assyria for your help. I want you to trust God. Trust God. I think I'll go ahead and touch on it. Verse 10 says, Moreover, the Lord spake again and day hasn't. He said, I ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height. But Ahaz said, I will, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. You know, that sounded very spiritual of Ahaz. We're not going to tempt God. No, no, no. Nope. Man of God, we're not going to tempt him today. Bishop, I know that you're saying, hey, is there, what do you need from God? What, what is it that you want? You know, I, I'm just going to trust God with my life. I'm not going to tempt God today. There's a difference here because God was coming and saying, I'm asking you to seek after me. And I see Ahaz saying, wait a second, I have, you know what I have? 
I have another plan. I have the Assyrians over there. I think I could make an alliance with them. I think that I could get this to work out. I, I think that if I just reach over there to, to the Assyrians, everything will be okay. And they'll, 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 they'll take care of this problem. But I've got another plan. He's like, no, has. No, ask of God a sign. Ask of Him. And, and, and I know this is a prophetic word that goes out. And, um, and God is speaking to him. And He's talking about our day and age. But He also is letting him know that I'm going to bring forth a sign. And what does verse 14 say? Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call His name Emmanuel. He came to him with two things in that moment. And those prophetic words were both for him and for us. And that prophetic word of Emmanuel, God with us, that came about when Jesus Christ became robed in flesh and was on this earth at Christmas. We celebrate this coming season. Emmanuel was also for him because what was he trying to tell him? You wicked king, if you'll just trust God, God is with you. He's with you right now. And he wants you to hear that he's got this and he's going to do this. He came to him with the name of the child. He came to him with the name that there's going to be a remnant. He came to him with the name that there's going to be God with you in the middle of your struggle. You know, there's some parents here and you sometimes worry about your children. Or maybe there's some children that worry about your parents. I really believe tonight that you've looked at that child and you've thought, man, they're never going to come back to God. They're never going to work out. I just want you to be able to look around because there's parents in this place that have had children that are now going to church today when they thought all hope was lost. But yet there was still something, a little bit of something in that child. And God was pulling and tugging. And he was reaching because you prayed and sought God. There was still opportunity for them. There's still something remaining. Something remaining. Emmanuel, though, God with us. God with us. God with us. And so God gives a word here. And he tells him. He tells him what work he's going to do. And then verse 10, he says, If you don't follow me, it won't come to pass. Verse 11 says, For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of the people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. I told you earlier, take heed, be quiet, neither be faint of heart. Another point I want to bring out of here is who do you make alliances with? Who do you make Alliances with. Who are you trusting in? Is it your coworker? Is it your boss? Is it that company that you think this is this we're gonna make it big now because I'm I'm working with this group now? Is, is it the federal government? Ooh. <laughs> it, is it Now, I know when we get married, these two shall become one. But you know Job hit a spot in life where he could not even listen to his wife. 
when she said, curse God and die. So I would ask you, who is first in your life? What voice are you listening to? Or have you decided, I'm going to make an alliance over here? I've got this group at my job, and this is where I'm going to fit in. I wish I had some teenagers in here. I know I'd rather they be back there. But, you know, they struggle because they come into church and they feel the presence of God. And, and I'm very forgiving uh, um, with teenagers, and I'm very forgiving, I think, with everyone. But they, they, uh, they come in, and it seems like, that, you know, a teenage life, it's six months is a long time. You know, they might have been sinning today, and six months from now, they're so on fire for God. And you're like, well, hold on a second here. I don't really like to put them on um, long probationary period, so to speak. Well, we're going to see how this works out. You know, four years in high school is very short. And you will see them go through periods of time, ups and downs. But I would ask them, who are you making your friends and who are you making your alliances with at school? Trust in God. Trust in God. So we got to just, it's 7.38, 7.40 here. I want to flip over and I don't know how much reading I'll do here, but in Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30, we're going to be touching on verse 15, but there's another king, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, we can see in the book of 2 Kings, and when we look at chapters 18 and 19 and 20, we see Hezekiah, he comes along and, and, and he would have been just a young child here when we're back here in Isaiah chapter 6 and chapter 7. But Hezekiah now is in charge. And Hezekiah makes commitments and dedications to God. But we also find him under attack. And he would have looked to Egypt as a deliverance. Oh, how the, you get these parallels. Whether you're a wicked king or you're somebody who's lived for God, God's over there and he's saying, hey... Trust in me. And so you have Hezekiah, and, and he builds conduits, and, and he makes preparations. He receives letters, and he goes before God. He seeks God's face. And yet, this verse in chapter 30, verse 15, I think this is very fitting for the cry that God made throughout Israel's um, throughout the nation of Israel throughout time, that he made to these kings and that he makes to us. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In returning and rest. When we return to God, we stop sinning. And we come back to God and we make our place in him. You know, you can become at ease in the middle of trouble. I know when Hezekiah got those letters and he went and wept before God and I preached it and I'll preach it. You know, take that thing before God, lay it out before God, cry out to God about it, declare the word the enemies get, spoke to you. But God, is, he tells you, he says, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Oh, there's something exciting about that. Oh, I, you may have been troubled in your sleep. You may have been worried about your health. 
You may have been wondering about the bills. But today I'm telling you that I trust in the Lord God Almighty. I trust in Emmanuel, God with us. I trust in Jesus, Yahweh saves. Oh, hallelujah. I want to give that hand clap to the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Oh, what's good? how's this problem going to turn out? I don't know, but God knows. And I know that he's with me. I know he's with me every step of the way. I feel like I've been speaking this word in one format or another for, for many different messages. And we're going to speak it again. But Church of Omaha, let's get it into our bellies and into our hearts. I believe God and I trust God. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not making my alliance with the world. I'm not making my alliance with fear. I'm not making my alliance with unbelief. I'm not making my alliance with money. Oh, I'm trusting in God. In Him I have believed. I'm persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. I'm trusting in Him. And quiet and confidence shall be your strength. Oh, but what does He say? He says, you would not. You would not. And so I brought out Hezekiah here. Because Hezekiah received deliverances from God. Hezekiah was under attack and God destroyed the enemy. But now, a story that hurts me when I read it is in 2 Kings and it's in chapter 20. You see, Hezekiah, he was dying and he didn't want to die. He wanted more life. Well, you know what? Hezekiah probably should have died. And I, I, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say it that way. But why? Why would I think that a little bit? Why would that cross my mind? You see, he sought the face of God, and God said, um, and, and he said, and Hezekiah said in verse eight, he says, Hezekiah says in Isaiah, "What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me, and I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day?" And Isaiah said, "This shall be a sign thou thou have of the Lord, and the Lord will do the thing he has spoken." Shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees or go backward 10 degrees? And Hezekiah said, it shall be a light thing for the shadow to go down 10 degrees. Nay, but let the shadow go back 10 degrees. What happened right here? It's one of the most phenomenal uh, cosmic things ever. With the, sun going, or the earth going around the sun and, and the moon going around the earth, God reached into everything here and he backed up the day. And everybody in existence had to know that happened. At least everybody that saw daylight that day. Babylon saw it happen that day. And Babylon went, whoa, what just happened? You see, people know in the middle of trouble that there is a God and his name is Jesus. And when trouble strikes this earth... And when they see things happen that can't be possible at all, they're not going to go to the temples of their gods. Oh, some will. But so many of them are going to come over and say, I need some explanations here because science can't describe it. My little things that I worship, they really can't do this. And Babylon, the world, showed up on Hezekiah's doorstep. They showed up. 
And they came to visit. They weren't coming to visit to see the riches of Jerusalem. They weren't coming to see, see how great Hezekiah was and in all of his splendor. No. But when they came knocking on his door, verse 13 says, And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious ointments, all the house of his armor, and all that was found in the treasury. There was nothing in his house or his domain that Hezekiah showed them not. Do you know what Hezekiah, I don't see, said right here at all? That Hezekiah showed them that I was sick. And I was dying, and I sought the face of God, and, and I asked him, and the man of God came, let me show you Isaiah today. Can I bring you to Isaiah? Let me have you meet my pastor. Let me have you meet the man of God who speaks into my life. You know, Isaiah got into the presence of God, and he saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. And after that, he was willing to preach any word that God had for him. He was willing to take a stand, even if it cost him his life. But Hezekiah, what did you do when you were faced with decision? Because yes, you didn't see God high and lifted up in the temple, but he spared your life. And he reached over and he made the day go back 10 degrees. What did you do? You saw an alliance and you said, oh, that's a great thing over there. And you aligned yourself and you said, hey, hey, come and see what I have. And the enemy understood in that moment. Not that you stood there in front of the enemy and said, hey, I serve God. But now you placed yourself under them and they would come later on and they would overtake your kingdom when your children ruled. For thus says the Lord, the Holy One, Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength, and you would not. Church, parents, Brother Keith, I've told this to you before. Brother Keith, you don't have children, but you have my children. Every one of you in this place whether you have kids or not. Don't compromise this word. Don't make alliances with enemies. Hear the voice of God in your life. And when He gives you a promise and He tells you to take a stand, don't get spooked and scared and run off the other way. But keep your commitment to Him. And when life is going good and you've felt the blessings of God in a mighty way and they've rolled over you and God's healed you, give Him glory. Give Him credit. Make Him first. When people wonder at how, life how great your life is, I'm not going to stand there, Lord, help that I don't. And say, well, you know what? I went to school at Iowa State. First in engineering, last in the Big 12, at least then. And... Uh, and I got this great education, and now with my education, I was able to solve these problems. It, no. God has showed me time and again. It just happened, it happened just another week ago. A guy called me up. I was working on a project. And he said, hey, I noticed something. I was looking at your stuff. It wasn't even his responsibility to look at my stuff. And he said, hey, I, I think there's maybe a little problem here. I was like, oh, he saved me so much time. And then he said, called me again the next day. And I see something else over here. Oh, 
And I was, I was saved hours and hours of work and frustration because he saw something. And in that moment, I knew right away, I was like, that was God. That was God. And God has your problems. God has your situations. And so what can we learn right here from these men in the book of Isaiah, these kings? That God told them, I've given you a word and I've got your problem. And if you will go ahead and stand with me, if you'll, if you'll listen to me, if you won't get weary, if you won't get spooked, if you won't get faint-hearted, if you won't go the other direction, but you'll trust me, I'm going to take care of it. Because our God is bigger than any problem out there. Can we go ahead and stand to our feet? Lord Jesus, I ask you to strengthen this people. God, I ask you to encourage them. Lord, and, and help them, God, to take heed and to hear from you, God, in their marriages, in their homes, in their bills, in their jobs. Oh, God, you have always been their salvation, and you are still their Emmanuel. You are still with them. You're not going anywhere. You have spoke a word into their life. And God, you are preserving them. Lord, help them to hear today. I want people to reach out right now just for the next couple minutes. I feel right now you have received words from God. Not only did He fill you with His Spirit, He forgave you of your sins, and He forgave you when you left Him, and He brought, and he brought you back. It was God that brought you back. Go ahead. Take your confidence in the Lord right now. Everyone, if you could close your eyes in this place. Reach your hands towards heaven and let him know, I take my confidence in you, oh God. Oh, I take my trust in you, oh God. Oh, Lord Jesus, I'm with you. Oh, Lord, even if you bring adversity into my life, I'm with you, oh God. Lord, I'm not going to trust in the enemy. I'm not going to make my alliance with somebody else. Oh, Lord, if I have to walk out of a relationship, I will. Because, God, I take my hope in you. You are my hope. You are my strength. You are my peace. Husbands, take courage in your home. Wives, take courage in your home. If your husband's not living for God, you take courage. Husbands, if your wife's not living for God, you take courage. Oh, take courage if your parents have walked out on this. God's got you. Take courage if your children have walked out on this. God's got you. Oh, let's give him some worship. Let's give him some praise. Oh, God, I'm recommitting. I'm reestablishing. Oh, I've got my eyes fixed on you. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God's good. Trust in God. Trust in God. Take courage in Him. Take courage. Learn from the Word. We'll be exploring the book of Isaiah more the rest of this month, but... Uh, God bless you. We'll see you again here on Sunday. And I don't, think, I don't think we have any other events between now and Sunday that I need to let anybody know about. God bless you, and we'll, we'll see you Sunday.